Hi everyone, I'm Amelia Quint, and you're listening to Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. As always, this show is independently fueled by our Patreon supporters, who also happen to be the smartest group of mystics on the internet. The only place you'll find my exclusive monthly forecast and horoscopes is over on patreon.com slash badastro. And with all the excitement coming up this April, you will definitely want the inside scoop. It feels like six months of astrology crammed into just one, but I'm here to guide you through it. Plus, you can dig into the archive of bonus episodes while you're at it. If all that sounds like your cup of tea, come on over and join us. I'm also available for one-on-one readings and mentoring sessions over at ameliaquint.com if you want a helping hand planning ahead for eclipse season or honing your astrological skills with my favorite assignment, mystery charts. Finally, if you listen to Bad Astrologers and absolutely love it, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. It really is an enchantment for the algorithm and helps the show grow. And follow us at Bad Astrologers on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date on the latest releases, which are now every Venus Day, aka Friday, so you'll have something fun to listen to over the weekend. Now, on to the episode. Today's guest, Jasmine Kyleen, is a spiritual counselor, journalist, tarot reader, astrologer, and Reiki healer. As you'll hear in our conversation, she's multi-talented and there's basically nothing she can't do. She has an Aquarius sun, Leo moon, and Sagittarius rising, so it's only natural that she created her own spiritual media platform, Lali La Luna. Her mission? Jasmine says, in any way that I can, I vow to challenge norms, societal norms, gender norms, and any other form of restriction that gives us rules on how to love, work, express, and be beautifully human. It's an ethos that I absolutely adore, and in our discussion, we delve into how that informs her work, astrology as a mirror, embracing Saturn transits, understanding the beauty of Pisces energy, and sinistry, including the very serendipitous way we met. Her vibrant energy is irresistible, and I hope it inspires you as much as it has me. Now, you know what to do. Sit back, relax, take a deep breath, and let's start the show. Hello, Jasmine. Thank you so much for joining me on Bad Astro today. Oh my gosh. I'm just, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm honored that you thought of me and you're someone that I admire so much in the astrological world. So just to be able to chat it up with you, I'm so excited. It's going to be a lot of fun, especially yes. on the Leo full moon day. We're recording oh. this on the 17th of February. I can't stress enough how much I need this energy. <laughs> and I feel like everyone is kind of like reveling in the fact that, I don't know, everything kind of feels very like romanticized and playful right now. And I'm like, this is what my inner world typically feels like. So I'm excited about it. I mean, you are a Leo moon, so right, how are right. you feeling? Like, how does today embody the energy of what you're kind of always bringing? Because uh, I just, I feel like as I'm, obviously I'm scrolling on Instagram, and a lot of, like, my timeline is curated to people that are very, like, astrologically aware. So everyone's like, ah, I'm just feeling like this Leo energy is, like, just inviting me to really explore, you know, some inner child healing, really just, um, and, and not from the deconstructing our childhood trauma standpoint but like playing around with <laughs> like um you know just just creativity and exploration and curiosity and i was like this is this is where my soul feels the most at home so i'm feeling really at ease 
Absolutely. I yeah. love that so much. I just took a walk through my neighborhood before this and I saw a little kid riding a tiny razor scooter, like baby Yoda size uh, razor scooter. And I was like, this oh is so cute. Like, I wish I had a scooter. <laughs> that is literally like, that would bring me to tears right now. Like, I'm just so like sensitive to like just how adorable life can be, you know? I feel like that's such a good thing to do. I think yeah. that astrology, there's so much it's almost like pressure at this point to use it to like unlock your deepest secrets or like right. heal your traumatic wounds but like using it for fun and to access the inner child and more play is totally valid oh my god yeah i think it's so important that we allow ourselves to balance um what this like journey of self-betterment ultimately is which i think is what we are essentially supposed to be using astrology as it's how do we connect with our fullest selves and yes that means you know kind of doing the shadow work and, and sitting with the depths of our soul and, and meeting those little miniature deaths but also it just means coming back to our core self which is our inner child that wants to be um like curious curious and, and romanticized life so it's it's a balance for sure Mm, I love that so much. You're, you're going to hear a lot of that today. Um, we sure because are. We have so much similarities, but also just because I just genuinely love the point of view that you bring. And mm. I feel like this is the perfect time to ask the traditional bad astro question, Queen. which is what's your earliest memory of being drawn to the spiritual, whether that's astrology or tarot or magic? Oh my gosh, I love this. So I I was raised in a home that was very um, spiritually centered. Like my very first word was angel because like the little, um, yeah, the, I don't know what it's called, the thing that like kind of spins over your crib as a baby, but I don't, that thing, it had, it had um, angels on it. The mobile. Yeah. Very, oh, queen, queen of knowing vocabulary. <laughs> so I would, mine had angels on it. So I would always just point to them and be angels. And I, um, yeah, I was raised by a mom who was raised on Louise Hay. And so affirmations and the power of manifestation and law of attraction was very loud in my upbringing. Mm. But as far as my own personal journey, I had been called to um, first just through curiosity and ultimately through like the study of it um, when it comes to astrology, probably since age like maybe 11 or 12. Um, was when I really got into it. And I think, you know, over time, I was kind of that person who everyone would go to as far as like, oh my God, I like this boy. This is his sign. Are we compatible? <laughs> and that was like at a time when it was like, oh my God, you're a Libra. Libra, and he's a Pisces, like, yes. And oh, like over time, um, my curiosity, and I think, you know, my Sagittarius rising really loves to achieve a, lo a level of, I guess, like academic mastery with things. So I, I started to study it and standing who I evolved into today. Wow, I love that you've been bringing that academic mastery ever since you were 11 studying <laughs> astrology. And I especially so love that you started so early. I feel like a lot of people find it sort of in that like mid 20s or even, nice. I don't know, late teens. I'm exploring spirituality for myself, but you were just connected from such an early age, which is really special. Oh, totally, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's something that evolves with your own personal evolution. My relationship with astrology and, and just spirituality entirely um, has definitely shifted and taken new shapes the more that I've, I think, deepened my sense of, of self-awareness. And now I, I approach astrology as a tool where before it was kind of something that was um, fun and, and cute and, uh, you know, something that just was interesting. But now it's something that I, like, I, I just, I've alchemized as a 
a source of self-betterment and a way to kind of deepen my potential, honestly. Mm-hmm. I love this idea of astrology as a tool. So yeah. if astrology is a tool, then what are you using that tool for? Like, what are you applying it to most in your life? Oof, queen. I think it's, it's allowed me to have a mirror as far as um, what my own tendencies are, what it looks and feels like when I don't allow um, conditioning or fears to get in the way of myself. I think when I look at the blueprint of my astrological DNA, I see someone who is really meant to stand in a role of thought leadership and someone who is insatiably curious, um, someone who is led by the betterment of community. And if I ever feel disconnected from that truth, I realize it's something that's going on outside of me or a limiting belief Mm. that I'm feeding rather than me standing in my own core self. So I use astrology as a mirror of like, who am I when I allow myself to be my fullest potential? What are the tendencies that I can feed, right? Like the kind of um, the inherent ways in which I can stand in my own way to kind of work through that and not to use it to bypass accountability, but to bring it into my awareness so that I can sort of alchemize that. Oh my gosh, that was beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) um, I love this idea of astrology as a mirror. I often think of astrology as a mirror too, just to as a way to reflect yourself back to you and and all of your best qualities and the things that we struggle with, like being able to hold the whole vision of yourself and have compassion for it and love for it and see it as beautiful is is everything. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I think... um, that's something that's really I've centered a lot of my life in right now is um, not, no longer striving for a an idealization or an idealized version of me or perfection, but rather accepting my wholeness. And astrology has been a beautiful source of recognizing what that wholeness looks like and understanding that there are parts of me that, um, for example, bask in solitude and are very, very, very comforted by my own company, but that also equally... Um, are enamored by companionship and like would feel lonely if there isn't that kind of you know human intimacy so it's allowing myself to see the juxtaposition that exists within me and accept that rather than demonizing it so yeah totally wholeness for sure absolutely i think that's something that you and i share in our charts and it's something Mm. that i think about a lot is that contradiction element of you know when you want two things that seem diametrically opposed, how do you bring those together? Like, how do you find the center within yourself? Uh, Um, I'm thinking about, for me, it's definitely the Gemini moon versus the Scorpio sun. Oh my Um, gosh, totally. (laughs) Very, very different, like emotionally nurtured by verbal processing and staying curious and talking to lots of people, doing things like this, and then Mm. still having this deep desire for you know, not just more conversation, but deeper conversation. And then that sort of like need for solitude and like personal regeneration to feel those conversations too. That's need for all that's literally, that's exactly it. And that's a theme that I'm really, um, I'm really exploring right now. And I'm wondering how you've kind of met yourself with that because I mean, there's a lot of opposing things in my charts. I mean, I was born on a full moon, right? So like my son and my mother opposing, but I found comfort in knowing that I'm someone who's like inherently like, you know, charming and and sociable and also someone who needs to recharge. But I think when it comes to like partnership, I struggle with the fact that I have built such a comfort in my own personal routine, my own personal space that like the romanticized idea of what I want relationally, especially my Pisces Venus, that just kind of like 
yes. I in love with the idea <laughs> of something more than the reality of it. Um, it's just like when I met with it in physicality, I'm like, oh God, no. So yeah. <laughs> right. Because there's no way for it to live up to the idealized um, right. image that you had in your mind. I think for me, when we're looking at, especially things that are literally opposed in the chart, the question right. is, what is the spectrum that this is falling on? Like, what is the DNA that they share? What is the axis that this actually is, right? So right. for me, um, I'm thinking about my Virgo Venus and Mars and Pisces, which is like oh. right there by your Venus and Pisces, which I think is fabulous. For, right. for me, that's about like spiritual service. Mm. Um, you know, they operate really differently. Mars and Pisces is very dreamy, very artistic, very right. musical. Um, whereas Virgo Venus is like, okay, I have, I probably have five or six different Google calendars for everything. <laughs> it's in the 10th house. Like it's highly oh, organized. Oh yeah, yeah, um, for sure. But it's both in service to, I don't know, some sort of larger... I don't think that we just have one divine purpose, but maybe no. um, alignment with my true will is what I like to call it. Oh, so. totally. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that concept, alignment with true will. And I've um, I've listened to a lot of like Oprah and Tracy Ellis Ross interviews recently. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes. Yeah. They've just been, I'm, they are guides for me right now. And <laughs> through both of like just their teachings, I've really um, marinated on the fact that it's it's really not what you are doing, but rather standing really fully in your being and how that kind of bleeds into your doing. But I think um, the more that you kind of nurture your garden and figure out what is it that within my voice I want to communicate to the world, um, the more that that purpose is kind of carried out rather than like, especially just like, I can also go into human design because like as a manifesting generator, there's no way I could stick to one route, you know? It's, <gasps> Oh my goodness. Totally. I'm actually, I'm writing a whole separate episode on human design called oh. WTF is human design. I'm a projector. Of course so. you are. Of course yes. you are. Yes. Every person that like is so uniquely important in my life is a projector. And it's so, I've like, there's three of them. Now there's four. It's so insane. Cause you guys are, a package, but I mean, obviously I'm sure you'll get into this in your episode, but um, incredible. That's so cool. I love it. Um, for anybody who's just tuning in, yeah, just Google those words. You'll find all kinds of things. And I'm really, really Many hyped things. to have a, um, it'll be one of those like solo rants, but I yes. hope that it'll help start a dialogue and a really interesting conversation. I yeah. find it to be really accurate though. I don't understand how it works. Oh, I have no idea how it works, but it's so accurate and aligns so beautifully with astrology. I think every like the system of belief um, complements each other if you allow it to, but like mm. just, it, it really opened up a liberation for me because it gave me permission to pursue all of my interests at once instead of thinking I needed to be this one dimensional um, identity. So yeah, for sure. I love that so much. Um, yeah. One thing that I like to look at is the similarities between the two charts. And it's almost, you know yeah. what it reminds me of is when you look at your natal chart in two different house systems, they oh can be God. really, really different. Oh, but I find yes. that they tell the same story. And it's kind yes. of the same thing with human design. You're going to see the same things coming up just with different words. And I think the more that we learn to speak those different mystical languages, just the better our vocabulary for, I don't know, communicating 
with our inner selves and with others. Gotcha. Yeah, totally. And like letting the story told be told through different lenses. And like, I brought this up with you so many times of like, <laughs> as a, once again, as a Capricorn Mercury, like it is so important to me that things make sense. And so it, it sometimes upsets me when like, I don't know which house system to either identify with or to use in my own readings, because it's like, Right. So in one system, you know, my Pluto is in the first house versus the 12th house or my moon is in the Mm -hmm. eighth house versus the ninth house. Right. And so like internally that, that creates such a chaos in my mind. But then when I sit back and I look at it from an omniscient point of view, it's like, it's telling the exact same story. Absolutely. It's all contained within you. And that's what makes astrology. Right. Totally. While we're talking about your astrology and your unique voice, I want to take a minute to rave about how many incredible placements that you have for communication and journalism and sharing your voice. So for for the audience, I'm just going to list them out. It's kind of incredible. And this is what I love to see in a chart when it kind of just like it stacks up like this. You want to see something in multiple different places. So check this out, everyone. I know you have the sun conjunct Mars alongside Uranus and Aquarius, which is your third house of communications, Mm. which like I feel like you have this ability to tap into the cultural zeitgeist and to be like the ultimate hype person even when you're not trying oh Um, thank you and then you have your moon in the ninth house of media which means that it's just it's it's comfortable for you and it feels good it's nourishing like it's always going to give back to you what you give to it um we both have virgo midheaven which is amazing for writers and editors and then sagittarius rising is ultimately about getting all your ideas out into the world and then for you Mm -hmm. because you have that really early um pluto and sagittarius it's about getting new and deep and penetrating ideas out into the world and transforming the world that way Oh, thank you. Thank you for even pointing those out. Yeah, I I mean, uh, my words are my nectar and I I use them, you know, poetically. I use them in a way that I hope uh, can mirror back to someone what they have and allow themselves to look at within themselves. I just realized that it's so important that I am heard and Mm. I'm the only thing that's standing in the way of being heard. So, yeah, my words are my biggest tool for sure incredible i want to take a minute actually to ask you about that um mercury in capricorn because i noticed that immediately because it's conjunct your neptune and typically (laughs) mercury and neptune together to me is a sort of indicator of like i don't know super psychic cosmic consciousness but i don't know it's giving me practical magic vibes how (laughs) does that conjunction show up in your life and how do you use it in your magic Oh my gosh, it's 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 consistently a balancing act, but using practical magic is exactly it because I feel like <laughs> and, and, and it's funny because I always describe the way that I show up in the world as kind of like this bridge of the 5D and the 3D because I feel like I have both two feet very firmly planted in soil and a mind that is like just soaring in the ethers. And I think it's, it's part of one of like the many, um, I think, contrast you can find in my chart that ultimately complement each other if they're in their most um pronounced versions and so um yeah i I'm, i'm so able to explore these very um you know nuanced um ideas of you know just ethereal and cosmic beliefs and then 
um, bring them into a place where they're digestible, where they're tangible, where I can make like an action plan. Like I'll be like, okay, I am meant to like raise consciousness and be this like thought leader. So how can I make like a step-by-step action plan to do that? Like there's always a constant like balancing beam that I'm on of, of being very grounded and very ascended, but it's, um, I found comfort in it now. It's, it's just, it's, if you demonize one or, you know, idealize or or put it on a pedestal another, you're going to constantly kind of be ebbing and flowing from one identity to the next. And I realized that I'm in my most, most pronounced version of myself when I kind of let myself be multiple things at once. So yeah, I think that's kind of how it's showed up. I mean, also just, I feel so sad and rolled sometimes. I don't know why sad. I just feel so loud in my life sometimes. Well, I wanted to ask you about Saturn specifically, because speaking of Saturn at this precise day in time, you have Saturn (laughs) transiting conjunct your sun in Aquarius, like right on top of it. So how have you been experiencing that? How has Saturn been changing? I literally, I just, and it's so funny because I did a reading with you because mind you, I don't work with many astrologers and I'm very particular (laughs) with who I work with and like if there's anyone who I'm always like, I need you on speed dial because I'm dying. It's literally you. And so we did a reading. I don't know when that was. I think it was like, like August of last year. Yeah. And I remember you were kind of like telling me all these beautiful things that all came into full fruition. You're like, also though, look out for this <laughs> transit that's coming. <laughs> You're like, you know, you'll have Jupiter, um, you know, meeting your Venus around the same time. So it'll kind of help you, but you know, this is going to be a time. And I remember just, I, there was like, um, and, and it wasn't you, it was just the awareness of it, of like this impending doom of like, don't get too comfortable in your peace right now because Saturn is going to come. Oh no. And it's going to, but it just, I, I, now that I'm standing in it and it's about to meet my Mars as well, I am so grateful for this transit because I think it is really allowing me to, um, be so radically committed to self mastery. And mm. I think I, I was really, I mean, it's shown up in a ton of ways, but I was kind of beginning a, like a, <laughs> the potential of a relationship with someone. And I was like, oh no, Saturn is going to come and Saturn is going to take it away. And I had this fear and that's exactly what happened. And it was <laughs> the <gasps> best thing that could have happened to me because I was met with a form of rejection that was familiar, but it was the first time where I was able to look at a rejection in the eye and allow myself to believe that I was still worthy. And it was a a deepening and it was a practice that I couldn't have experienced had I not felt attached to something. So yeah, Saturn really showed me, can you still choose yourself in the moments when it isn't easy? And it's, my strength has been deepened on another level. Wow, not me tearing up over here or <laughs> describing your Saturn transit. I've been going through a very, very similar situation oh, wow. of, uh, yeah. I don't know, universe saying no or wait or not yet or something yes. better is coming. And yes. it's so hard in those Saturn moments to choose yourself. Oh, um, but it is always God. worth it. I think. It is always, I mean, I just, I can't stress enough how. I mean, just Saturn is really the way that it's showing up right now is can you live a life where you are disciplined and committed to um, essentially your self betterment, right? Nurturing your garden on an emotional, physical, spiritual um, and Mm. mental level, but ultimately understanding that that yes, that shows up in the commitment of, you know, your routine and how you're showing up for yourself. But ultimately, 
Are you allowing yourself to say no to what feels good, but you know is ultimately a form of settling? And can you believe in the fullness of your potential? And so in this particular situation, you know, an older version of me would have been like, okay, like let's make this work for you. If you need this to be casual or on your schedule, or on your terms, let's do that. <laughs> and I have evolved into such a large sense of awareness of where my worth is that I was like, that doesn't align with what I want for myself and it feels so good and it's hurting so much to let this go. Um, but I have to choose myself and I have to still um, train myself to feel worthy even though you don't wanna give me what I want. Um, and to ultimately choose myself when a situation or a person isn't choosing me. And it's just been so radically transformative because I think in every instance of my life where I've had to let something that felt like it was the best it could get go, I eventually got something that was better. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Like, co-sign everything you just oh, said. Oh my gosh. I, I love that you're experiencing it too, though, in, in a fashion, because yeah. Absolutely. It's it's um, a little different. Um, it's yeah. not relationship. It's more of a career crossroads sort of thing, but it's right. very much about like, how are you gonna prioritize your voice, right? Why are oh, you listening yeah. to everybody else's voice besides your own? Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, which is such a tough question to get asked, but it, it feels yeah. good. It feels good to, like you said, stand in the fullness of, no, like this is my message and it's time to be heard. Oh, um, and I especially love that you called, you related Saturn to like cultivating a garden. Yes. Um, because I think about Saturn as sometimes, especially around uh, the seasons too, it's a pruning, right? Mm, and so, yeah. you know, you prune rose bushes you even prune some of the flowers off rose bushes if they're just not the yeah. best so you can make right. them for the brightest and most beautiful and most fragrant blossoms. So Oh, beautiful. Oh, I, oh, I, I love And it's so funny because, I mean, that's exactly the energy. And it's also shown up very, um, I, I love when a transit kind of is like the most obvious because I ended up, and just not to get to too many details because I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, yeah. talk for like three hours about it. But I saw my dad for the first time in like six years. And <gasps> and obviously, you know, Saturn kind of, you know, ruling the father and stuff. I was in a space where I finally forgave him for the first time in my life. And, and like literally right around when Saturn was like directly conjoining my son. And it was the most liberating experience of my life because it made me realize how deeply I had built my identity around the narrative that I had an abandonment issue with my father. And the minute that I allowed myself to forgive and to release that narrative, I was reintroduced to my power and I realized that I could write a new story for myself and that all the experiences I had relationally, um, internally, were derivative of the stories and the narratives that I was telling myself about myself. And so, yeah, Saturn really has shown up quite viscerally. <laughs> okay, first of all, thank you so much for telling this story. Oh, and I absolutely love it. I love when astrology is this loud, right? With Saturn yes! being the yes. big dad energy. Obvious. And then you literally see your dad and have this literally. massive moment of internal closure. Yes. Um, it's so, so powerful. And it's in your third house. And, you know, I've been thinking yeah. a lot about the third house because obviously her. we both have Saturn there right now. Yeah. And I think people talk about it a lot as communications. And like, that's true. It's definitely having your voice heard, writing, right. creating. Um, but it's also so much about your thoughts and your mindset. 
And that sounds so cliche. I feel like I definitely have this uh, inner rebellious streak that's like, don't tell me what to do. You can't tell me what my mental script should be. But a lot (laughs) of the Saturn in the third house journey has been learning how to upgrade the things that you tell yourself, right? Why would you not speak to yourself? in your inner monologue, like someone that you absolutely love, right? Like you would not talk to your friends this way. Friends are also a third house thing. So don't talk to yourself like that either, right? Oh my gosh, totally. You don't realize how much of your life experience is derivative of not only just your inner dialogue, but also just like the stories that you feed. I remember just for so long being like, well, I have daddy issues. So that's why I'm, you know, either emotionally unavailable or I attract people that are emotionally unavailable. And that's why, you know, commitment is so difficult for me. Like I was feeding that narrative um, so deeply that my identity had kind of like built a home within it. And Mm -hmm. I didn't realize like I can change this story, you know, and and the micro ways, right. The way that I talk about it, but also just like in the macro ways and the ways that I believe that I actually can show up in commitment and what I do deserve in partnership. And so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love what you said about like what you believe is possible. I yeah. think Saturn in the third for me has also been a complete restructuring of what mm. I believe is possible. For yes, me, me too. Totally. Yes. That's exactly how I'm experiencing this as well. It's just like, do I, and, and yeah, just allowing myself to believe in the fullest potential of my life and no longer no longer wanting to arrive at it or having it choose me, but rather nurturing. Yeah. Just nurturing who I am standing in right now so that it arrives to me. It's kind of where the shift happened for me. Yeah. It's like becoming by just being yourself, you become a magnet for all the things that you want, because if you're not being your fullest self, then the things that are aligned with that, they have no clue who you actually are. You have to let yourself communicate that and be perceived even when it's hard. Yes. Um, Totally. To have it make a difference. It feels so good to talk to you about this and to have someone else, not only who is brilliant, but who is Sag rising and like you really, really deeply are in it too. Oh my God. No, you are my favorite mirror. You have no idea because I just feel like you show me, I think you're just always like just a a, a level advanced in understanding yourself. So I'm just like watching your dance and, and, and figuring out how to find my steps in it because I'm like, oh my gosh, you you get it on such a deep level. And I feel like, especially just us having these similar placements, um, I'm, I'm really in a state of, of like choiceful isolation and really committed to figuring out how I can stand in my fullest self. And it's, it's really liberating. Mm. It's yeah. so good to, to choose that though. I think that Sagittarius yeah. rising, you can have yeah. this, at least I don't know about you, but I know yeah. myself, I can have a rosy, like grass is greener elsewhere, elsewhere oh, kind of view. Yeah. Oh. Um, and so when you're like, no, it is time to contract, like it is time yes. to go within. That's what you're being called to do. It can kind of feel like even more of a challenge <laughs> than oh, it would to other my folks. Gosh, totally. Yeah. It's like, I, I'll, I'll build something very um, structured for myself, but I won't let it be rigid. Like I'll, you know, I'll allot um, mm-hmm. two hours in the morning to be for the deepening of my mindfulness, but I'll allow what that mindfulness to look like to be dictated by who I wake up as that day. So if it means I'm going to dance around my room, um, if it means I'm going to sit and journal or I'm going to do breath work, you know, I, I have to allow fluidity within my routine to satiate both like the Sagittarius, but also like the, the the Capricorn. There's just, yeah, there's a lot of parts of me that need to be acknowledged at once. 
Oh my gosh, I love that you mentioned uh, morning routine and daily yeah. practice. I feel yes. like both of us having Uranus in the sixth, that's probably been such oh, a lifeline. Yeah. It has for me. Oh my gosh. I just, I, it's, my routine is constantly changing. It's constantly, constantly changing, but it's <laughs> like, here. And like, oh, but like, but I'll, but it'll nourish me for like a good three months. And then I'm like, okay, it's time to change. And then I'll be stick to that really deeply for three months and I'll need to change it. But, um, but I need it. I need to meet some sort of beat every single day for sure. Same here. I think yeah. this is so good for people listening to hear as well, because I yeah. think there's this sort of like, I don't know, Instagramized idea that there is like one true platonic ideal of a morning practice out there. And right? you know, when you have these transits to your sixth house that you will seek it and find it and that will make you a better person or something. And it just, it isn't that way at all. Like it has to no. fit you and where you are. And especially if you are also Sag rising and are having yeah. Uranus, the planet of change in your sixth yeah. house of literally what you do every day, then it has to be changeable along with you. The only thing that matters is that you continue to commit to yourself and show up. Yes, exactly. Anytime I do a reading with anyone who's having some sort of transit in their sixth house and I'm kind of like, you know, instilling this idea of, of committing to them to themselves through routine, they're always like, oh my God, but I can't stick to something. And I think it's because, like you said, that Instagramized idea of like, having a good morning routine means meditating for 15 minutes and then drinking your lemon water and it's like okay girl like i cannot sit still for that long for 15 no, minutes just breathing that's no. not gonna happen oh my god no but there's so many different ways that meditation can show up in your life you know sometimes if i if, if i'm just on a walk and it's a distractionless walk where i'm just consuming everything that i'm seeing that's meditation for me if i'm doing anything that puts mm. me on some sort of autopilot, whether that's putting on, you know, a high vibration and playlist and moving to it. Um, it's just, it's, it's allotting the period of time to commit to something and allowing how you show up in that commitment um, to be fluid and natural and organic to who you are that day. I think we wake up as different beings every morning, or I don't, maybe that's also like my Plutonian influence, but I'm like, every day I wake up reborn. <laughs> um, and so yeah, yeah. Just kind of meet yourself where you're at. I love that you said that every day I wake up reborn. I definitely have a little bit of that with my grand mutable cross. I feel like nice. I'm constantly shape-shifting and changing yes. form, and that's what makes it so much fun. I wonder if it's yeah. also your Venus and Pisces that oh you are also the sort of like metamorph you can yes. change your form, her. and that's what makes you feel delicious. Oh, to, oh my God. Even just the word delicious is like my favorite word ever. I just Same. love... Yeah, I just I love... <laughs> when um when things have flavor and i just i, I mean i i was listening to i think a mark groves part podcast and he was um he said that the soul dwells when it meets those little deaths and so i realized how much beauty is born from just allowing your identity to be fluid and not fixed and if you get really married to an idea of yourself or a narrative that you've you know built a comfort in um you'll stay so stuck and stagnant and you could be missing out on ultimately your, your, your fullest potential. And so I am so enamored by the idea of, um, meeting new parts of me, of continuing to shape my identity. I'm, I am, I am a far cry from who I was a year ago, two years ago, but also like two months ago. And so like, even like two days ago, I was, I was crying while I was riding my bike and I was like, this is dangerous. And I should stop. <laughs> and like today I, I literally feel like I could conquer the world. And so it's just, it, it's not judging who you're standing in, but just um, meeting them where they're at and dancing with them a bit.
Okay, but I have to say, though, I yeah. wonder if crying on a form of public transportation is a Sagittarius rising thing. <laughs> it feels so good. And that's like, that's me. I'm like crying in the club, club crying on the plane, crying on the bus. I love it. It's just, it's so, I like, I'm like, is it narcissism or am I just the main character? But like, I just love a good, like, queen, <laughs> honey. I'm like, I'm like riding my bike crying and I'm like, wait, I actually can't see. And maybe this is dangerous. And so I stopped oh, at this no. like gorgeous tree and I like sat under it and it was windy. And I was like, oh, it just, life is so much more enjoyable when you allow it to be pronounced and when you pay attention. I think that two people can have the same exact experience, but if one is looking at it through, a dim and diluted lens, you know, then life is just kind of happening to them. But like, I think my Pisces Venus and my Sag rising too are very like, how can we color in and, and saturate a bit more and, and see some, like the cinematic experience as something that's happening for us and kind of even like in, in me, like letting my heart kind of grieve a little bit while it's expanding, understanding that it's all kind of happening for me. And what I'm learning now is going to come in handy when I'm in, you know, act three, scene four, you know what I mean? It's, it's yes. Yeah. Romanticizing your life. I love that so much. Yeah. Romanticizing your life. I feel like everybody could do with more romanticizing their life with yeah. the Jupiter and Neptune and Pisces thing oh, happening yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. I love that for us. I have to ask, how has this been for you with your Venus right there? And do you have any advice for the rest of us? <laughs> I just... Oh, I mean, I'm really comfortable in this energy. I think Jupiter and I are just, we're homies at this point. I think it is so important that you don't allow, um, of course, you know, romanticize and, and live selfishly, not to the point where you evade accountability for your own actions or you don't, um, you know, assume responsibility for, um, you know, the way that you show up in other people's lives and, and honor their boundaries. But ultimately, how can you see this cosmic experience as, a divine orchestration that is happening for you? How can you pay attention to um, the signs and the synchronicities that are showing up in, in, in micro instances and in macro instances? And, and ultimately, how can you be led by, um, I mean, of course, life is, I think, the merriment of both like, you know, rationality and logic and, and feeling and intuition, but ultimately, how can you let your gut, your, your guts lead a little bit more loudly? And, um, mm -hmm. I just had a lot of fun letting um, my stomach make more decisions than like my over intellectualizing mind. So if that is any nectar, then take it. But I'm, I mean, I'm also, I'm tripping over my own steps, but I'm, I'm letting that be hilarious rather than, um, you know, a detriment. Absolutely. It's like, if you see somebody trip, if they laugh afterwards or yeah. they think it's funny, then it's yes. okay. But if they fall and they're like really yes. upset, you're like, Oh no, baby, are you going to be all right? right. Exactly. Um, exactly. I completely agree. Okay. I'm obsessed with the fact that you brought up this idea of like digestion and listening yeah. to your gut because yeah. Pisces is our fourth house. Right. Right. And right. the fourth house is digestion and, mm -hmm. and listening to your gut. I was literally just at the doctor today talking about like gut health and stuff like that. Oh my god, really, wait, really, really I was just yes. I was listening to because they were talking about how like the different ways that you can take care of your gut health and one of them was that like you shouldn't be snacking as much and I'm such an avid snacker. I am I like, such a snacking girl. I have yes, to snack I every two hours or I'm like not okay. <laughs> and, like and they were talking about how it's it's awful for your gut health to not let more time in between your meals. And I was like, well, I mean, respectfully my gut is gonna have to suffer through that because I need to snack. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think I'm always like a little bit skeptical of gut health proclamations that are just like on the gram or on the internet. Like I'm gonna want my doctor to like test the flora and make sure because (laughs) it reminds me of so I'm gluten intolerant. I can't have any gluten. Same but like have we discussed what? I'm no. intolerant. Oh my god! Oh my god! What is that? What? Where? Where in our charts is that? What is that? I love that. I think that's the Pisces fourth house thing. Is it like I don't know. Sometimes that can show up as food intolerances. I'm crying. But the thing that drives me bananas is people like they won't have any actual gluten intolerance, but they're like gluten is toxic. Take so, the toxins oh out. I'm like, girl, oh, eat the cupcake. Oh my god! Just do can it. I. I know. Let's just change this entire podcast to like gluten. <laughs> gluten free recipes. Like, I go to places and I I have to order gluten free because I, I'm literally like I have an intolerance. And then my friends are like, "Oh my god!" Like, yes, you're right. Let's get like the the, the alternative. And I'm like, "Honey, like wheat is not bad. Like if you don't have an intolerance, please eat that and enjoy it. Like let's not." I mean, it's giving eating disorder, but like that's a whole other. <laughs> I was going to say it is giving eating disorder a little bit, but that, we yeah. could have a whole other podcast on that. You oh, know what, God. though? It makes me think um, about with this Jupiter, Neptune, and Pisces situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like um, what is the axiom of like the dose makes the poison, right? Oof, and yeah. I know a lot of the um, imagery surrounding it has been about sort of like intoxication and partying. Right. And then, you know, there being an eventual hangover, whether it's just like a sugar hangover and like you you ate the whole packet yeah. of Oreos instead yeah. of just like a handful, you know. Oh, um, yeah. So I do wonder if like Jupiter and Neptune together, it's teaching us how to indulge and how to have fun and how to feel good and sort of, you know, maybe occasionally stumbling over the limits of where that is because with Neptune, it can be so blurry. Oh my gosh. I think you're absolutely right. I love love I love indulgence and of course you know everything is to be um honored and respected but I think just indulging a little bit in in um and in, in fantasizing about our lives and I think we can mm, utilize yes. it as a way to dream bigger about our potential um but I'm I'm also seeing the ways in which it's uh, yeah I'm looking at a rose I'm looking at life through a rose colored lens to the point where maybe I can't fully trust my feelings. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. like, I'm, I'm, and I'm watching this play out for a lot of friends in my life right now that are like, he was my twin flame. And I'm like, babe, you can't No, have- he was not. Like, and no, he wasn't. Like, and, and, and they thought that the last dude four months ago was their twin flame. And so now I'm like, okay, I think we're a little bit under this influence of, of seeing things as the story we are telling ourselves about them rather than what they are. And that's a Mm. fun place to play in. But um, I would just, I would let yourself have a bit more fun and don't take everything so seriously. Um, But I think exactly what you're saying, it's letting ourselves, especially if you have any um, hesitation with playing without um, like the pre um, productivity before it, I'm letting yourself indulge a bit more and play a bit more without guilt and shame. But ultimately, yeah, it's making sure that you're cautious with how rosy the lens you're looking through is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it, it's it's giving windshield wiper for sure. Yeah, yep, yes, yeah. girl. Absolutely, <laughs> there it is. Um, you were talking about twin flames and sinistry, and uh, I just want to take a pause and talk yes. for a session about 
um, about Sinistry and astrology because ours is kind of amazing. I know. Um, I love it so much. Um, what do we all have? We have my Venus is on your midheaven. My Mars is on your Venus Pisces and my moon is on your descendant. And I feel like, should we tell the story of how we met? It was like, I was thinking about it before we started. (laughs) Let me say it. I was dying though. Like, that's so hilarious. Please. Okay. I can't even quite remember what the topic was. No, I do remember. So I was writing a piece for Bumble on, um, dating during the pandemic, like long distance dating. And I put out a call on Twitter, like you do when you're a reporter and, uh, you responded and we had a zoom back in, uh, 2020 peak pandemic times. And I just remember thinking like, this woman is it. Like this is, person is incredible. Oh like, my gosh. It no. was like an instant recognition. Instant recognition. And that was one of the instances where I like just, and one of the many instances where my gut always tells me first before, like the best relationships in my life have been derivative of the times in which my body has told me that someone was home before I could even rationalize what that meant for me. And yeah, I mean, I had admired your work for um a while i had been following you and when you put that out i was like oh i because the topic was like long distance romances over the pandemic um and i was like oh i i have a story there and I it was you. an amazing story because <laughs> yeah i had like fallen into this like <laughs> just very thing. Karmic, oh my gosh yeah just such a situational romance um over the pandemic with someone who lived in spain and i was in miami and it was a whole thing and i was like oh honey we will talk about it um and and yeah we connected and and ever since then i've just been like enamored by your existence for sure oh likewise that's very very mutual i'm so curious so in relationships of all kinds whether it's like romance or erotic or friendship or creativity like do you look at the sinistry with them or are there like particular placements you find you're really really drawn to um i oh my gosh i mean i don't get too into like where um our charts overlap for the people in my life but i will say that i i I notice i notice the markers Mm. of the people that um are the most um I guess just have like the largest impact in my life and they all have a major Sagittarius placement. Like, I mean, it, of it's course. insane. Like just my best friend of, of 19 years, Sagittarius sun, my dad, Sagittarius sun, Sagittarius moon, my mom, Sagittarius moon. Um, like just there's all of the like lovers that have torn me up and reintroduced me to myself. I've had major Sagittarius placements uh there's uh, there's just like this recognition and i don't know I, I don't know what it is i guess i just i see myself in the way that they see the world and there's just a, a sense of home and comfort also i will say virgo mars shows up a lot in my life virgo Ooh, mars people and like in lovers that's a placement that finds me a lot yeah i love it I could see that. It's like the perfect foil for your Venus and Pisces, right? It is. I, I realize that they're I, as grounded of an individual as I am. There's so much about me that is floating. And I, uh, when it comes to partnership or romance or lovers, I need someone who can kind of center me back on earth. And so I find myself gravitating towards a lot of people who have some sort of Sagittarius influence so that they can see what I'm seeing, but that they're, that they're rooted and grounded 
um, in a place that's firm and stable. So I've had a lot of like Capricorn and, and Virgo placements show up in my lovers. Yes. Uh, and I love it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of both of those energies, Capricorn and Virgo. I think with the mutability, it just, something about it feels really, to come back to our favorite word, like delicious. Delicious, honey, yes. (laughs) I don't know. Not so much. I don't, I I mean, it's true. I I mean, I I love anything Venusia ruled, but like, um, romantically, I mean, I don't know. It should have been a few lovers, but. I'm more of a Capricorn Virgo stan, I will say. <laughs> I love when people have um, personal planets in Taurus, but like yeah. properly Taurus people, I feel yeah. like I, it's very like, it couldn't be me because I'm so Scorpio. <laughs> like like I'm, I'm looking at them going like, how are you so in your body? Like, how are you so connected to this physical plane? Like, That's true, yes. I'm living oh, in multiple <laughs> dimensions. I don't know how you're doing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, whoa, you're really living living in the physical plane there, buddy. You want to take a trip over here? Yes, yeah, same. Totally same. I, I I never, never understand it, but I so admire it. I see it. I'm like, wow, maybe one day, maybe next incarnation, I can incarnate as a Taurus placement and figure it out. I would love it. I just, I would just love to be a bear that just eats out of a jar of honey and like, <laughs> just, like they seem so at peace and like just um in, in satiating their, their physical senses. And meanwhile, I'm like, have you asked yourself what the meaning of life is yet? And they're just like, listen, man this chocolate is bussing and I, there's something to take from it for sure. It's so true. I want to be one of those flying foxes in Australia <laughs> that just like drinks flowers oh and like, gosh. you know, comports oh, with other bats and flies through the trees. That's, totally. that's oh. what I'm doing next time. Yeah. Oh my God. I'll see you there, honey. Excellent. Um, okay. So I feel like this has been an amazing convo and now is the perfect time to, I'm reintroducing the lightning round. I have some astrological questions and I want you to just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Maybe tell me why, if you're feeling it. Okay. Ready? Okay. Beautiful. Okay. First one is, do you have a favorite planet? Um, yes. I, I, for a long time, I said it was Jupiter, but honestly, I'm really vibing with Saturn because I love the deepening. <gasps> yeah. Wow. Crazy, right? I know. I did not see that coming. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> I don't know who it's she is. It's the Aquarius. That, uh, I'm so jealous of all the, I have so many amazing Aquarius folks in my life. And I just, <laughs> well, we're traditionally ruled by Saturn. Yeah. And, and I'm, exactly. I'm getting reacquainted with it for sure. Beautiful. Okay. Um, favorite Zodiac sign to party with? Ooh, it ha- it has to be Sagittarius. Genuinely, there's something that is so alive about them all the time. We are a lot of fun. Yes. We're, we're there for the adventure and the story. I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah, like, Literally. Is this so going to be a good story when they tell it at my funeral? Yes. That's, that's the they live life for like how is this memory going to play out rather than like how does this feel in this given moment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what's a sign that frustrates you the most? Oh my gosh. I, I think it's Libra. <laughs> Why <laughs> is that? I just, and no shade, no tea. You guys, I think you, I genuinely think Libras are the prettiest signs. Like you guys are gorgeous. They're so pretty. They're so it's unfair. Oh my God. Like just Libras and Pisces are so gorgeous. I just find, and you know, of course, you know, our charts color us, but I find that I can't get to a certain amount of depth with them. Like there's always just kind of like mm. a wall that I hit. 
And I'm someone who just kind of like immediately wants to like know the deepest core of everyone. And I, I just find with Libras that it, it kind of stays in a surface space. No shade, no tea. That <laughs> makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah. they're they're always wanting things to look and be perfect. And you're right. like, I don't need that perfection. I want to tear it all down and be reborn with you. Right. Uh, I like, love. I just wanted to have a dinner. You yes. Know? Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I respect it, but like, stop. Totally get it. Yeah. Um, is there a specific zodiac sign that you're most drawn to their energy? Mm, uh, yeah, Capricorns for sure. Capricorns. I feel like they have this this sense of sovereignty. This um, and I, they're so. I mean, you know, Ooh, they have their word. things, right? They're, yeah, they're, I mean, they're hard on themselves, and they can be, you know, those like stubborn goats. But I, there's this the way that they stand in themselves um, is so still, and I just love it. Wow, you yeah. just blew my mind. I absolutely love Capricorn placements. <laughs> I love and I think Capricorn. that is it. There is a sort of like serenity and just being in their own authority. And yeah. They're and... also, I, 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 the only time I've ever gotten my heart broken, like the only time anyone has ever had the power to break my heart was a Capricorn. And I, I like, it made me mm. respect the sign so much more. <laughs> and I plan to fall in love with one. Like, I'm like, my end person is for sure a Capricorn. There you go. They're going to have Capricorn placements. I'm holding the vision. It's going to happen. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Last one of these. Is there a particular person, like a musician or writer, other figure that has like the most interesting astrology chart to you? Is there a person you keep coming back to? Oh my gosh. Let me sit with this for a second because this is such a good question. Um... Damn, who has I? Because I know everyone's chart. <laughs> I know you're like a a Rolodex of. I, I am. Charts. I am. I will say. I mean, she's also my favorite person in the world. But like Beyonce. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Like it's the Scorpio Moon. I was just about to say the same. Oh my god! I think about it all the time. Yes, but like the Virgo is so loud as well. And if I'm not mistaken, she has a Libra Venus, which I think is so gorgeous on her i think the way that she shows up in the world um yeah i think her chart is iconic also i think um i'm I'm so into the celebrity world i'm don't know if this is fully accurate but i think kim kardashian's a libra sun pisces moon is that true yes you know yeah i think that's also so i just love when someone is so loudly their chart and Mm -hmm. them two are very much their charts and i love seeing the incarnation of it and she's Sag rising like us. Yes, and honestly, I get it. Like, there's been such a like quiet but true part of me that has always rooted for Kim Kardashian. Same here. I've always said I don't know. I sort of came to admire her more once I learned her astrology. And selfishly, yeah. like it is similar to my own. She's got Sagittarius with the um, the Virgo Venus, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I get it. I need to contour. Right. Yes. <laughs> literally, literally, I just think, you know, uh, like uh, underneath, you know, all of the things that can be problematic. I think mm-hmm. she's someone who was so aware of her potential and was so adamant about realizing it. And I think that that is something we can all take away from. So, yeah, just go off. Queen. Absolutely. She has yeah. both of the benefics um, yeah. with what's called accidental dignity. Uh, right. So there's like essential dignity, which is like, yeah, Mars and Aries or like you right. have Venus and Pisces. But for right. her, it, I think of that meme, the um, not bad for a girl with no talent. 
Um, <laughs> she was really and truly able to create something massive when so many people underestimated her. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, I had, I've never know. I've never heard about that or accidental or essential, but I'm going to look into that because that is, I think she's living proof. She's just someone who like, if you're just doing any sort of like astrology workshop, like break her chart down in front of people and you'll really learn so much about how this whole thing works. It's so true. Kim K, come on, bad astro. Let me oh my God. You. I know I you're going through some stuff. I know that so. you're also getting hella guy slighted. I'm so sorry about <laughs> what's happening to you right now. <laughs> I feel so bad. It's just, it's so harmful He's what's going with on. crazy um, astrology as well. I, is His moon is Pisces as well, isn't it? Kind oh, of, I don't know. He's I'll a Gemini and Pisces moon, I believe, which <gasps> is delusion. Yeah, so yeah. there it is. And really, really struggling with those Jupiter-Neptune rose-colored oh. glasses we've been talking about, huh? Oh, my gosh. Isn't that so? Isn't that so? <laughs> we could do a whole separate podcast on this, I feel that. Just celebrity destruction. <laughs> Listen, I love it. I love it. Oh. This is amazing. Yeah. Okay, so the last thing that I want to ask you mm -hmm. is about some advice for people who are just coming into astrology, just starting their spiritual practice. And I feel like you have such a beautiful vocabulary for this. So what do you wish you knew when you first started as a spiritual practitioner? Oh, wow. This is such a beautiful question. Um, it's funny because I often think about like all the, the different eras of my life. And I wonder if I would go back and, and guide the versions of me that were lost. But I, I think if you are sitting in a place of limbo or transition from who you knew yourself to be, but you're not quite sure who you're stepping into, um, that part of you that feels lost, there's so much nectar there. That's where you get to, um, you know, that's where you meet contrast. And if you're sitting in things that don't feel right, understand that that's deepening your awareness of what does feel right and what you do want to choose. So um, allow the process to organically unfold as it shows up. There's no, you know, wrong turns. I think every place that you meet is going to be some form of nectar for who you end up as eventually. And just move with what feels right. Remain as curious as possible. Um, don't be too prideful to ask questions and, and hear different perspectives and different voices, but ultimately understand that this this unfolding and this this journey of self-betterment, I think that we are striving always to become a version of ourselves that we're going to create when I found that I've ended up in my full authenticity being exactly who I was in the beginning when I was a child. So it's it's mm -hmm. going to be a kind of like a, a, a circular journey that returns you back to who you've always been. So don't think it's something outside of you. Realize that you're kind of returning back to a sense of self. And yeah, and have fun with it. Don't take it too seriously. Oh, Jasmine, this has been amazing. Really, you are amazing. Thank you. Ah, thank you for always making me feel so safe. I will say that just even the way that you read my astrology back to me, um, you you never make anything daunting or detrimental or feel like I'm I'm stuck in a way of being. But you always introduce me to the ways in which I can um, deepen and strengthen and um, just the way that you you speak astrology is so special and important in the community. And so thank you for standing in your essence. I just like even your Instagram and, and the way that you even like utilize like Renaissance art and the way that you show up, it's just like you have such a unique way of um, combining poetry and your, your writing ability with the way that you um, deconstruct this science and you're incredible. So I'm so glad I found you that we found each other again in this lifetime. <laughs> I would love to give you a hug in person and we will eventually. I know it'll happen, but I just, I love you on such 
a like physical way. Oh, I adore you. This is so oh, wonderful. Man. I'm sending a huge, huge hug through the astral and oh, same. Oh, we'll have to do this again. This is amazing. Yes, we Where will. Where can we find you online? Oh yes. Okay. It's true. I have a, yeah, there's promo. So you are um, an online person. <laughs> I am online and accessible. Um, so I do readings. I do spiritual counseling sessions. I do a lot of stuff, honestly. So you can find me on Instagram at Jasmine Kylene, um, on YouTube, jasminekyleen.com. Jasmine if you want to, um, reach out or book anything. I also sell, um, color healing teas. I, I do a lot. You'll find it all there. <laughs> you are a multifaceted jewel and also yeah. your website, the photos on there, you look like a, yeah. like a mermaid goddess. You like emerge <laughs> from you. the sea. It's like it very, very Renaissance. Very good. Thank so. you, my love. <laughs> all right. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.